Let us pray. Lord, you invite us to come to you, and you invite us to share our stories with you. You know everything about us. The Bible tells us that you even know the amount, how many hairs we have on our head. It means that you know the smallest detail of our bodies, of the worlds that we live in. Why then still speak and ask if you know it all? Because you remind us that part of our talking to you and with you has to do with our relationship with you. We come therefore this morning and we bow before you and we acknowledge who you are, our Lord and our God. We acknowledge that you are the one that created everything around us and also who we are. You've given us our fingerprint on our, on our hand that we may know how special we are. Our name, our blood type, our time, our town, where we are now. Because I believe that we are here for a reason in this time, in this city. So we come to you, O Lord, and we ask, even though you know this, we ask that you will bless us today as we, we came to learn and grow in your word. As we learned, came to learn and not only grow, but then to apply what you would like us to be and to do in the world outside of this building. Bless us through your spirit, especially in this holy week, as we are reminded of what you came to do for us and how, can, how we can respond to this mighty act of God to save us. We gathered in your name. Amen. So in our normally daily connections that we have with one another, we normally ask questions of each other. You know, this morning when people said to me, hi, they always said, how are you doing? You know, and I think that's what we normally say to people. And then very politely we would answer and say, fine, thank you very much. And I think many times that's not true. I, I sometimes wish that people would glow a color. You know, if you're doing really great, you are green. If you're not doing that well, you are yellow. And if you really feel bad, you're red. You know, I wonder how many red people would be sitting in this church this morning. But we all say, I'm fine, I'm fine. Then if you hang out with people that you do not know that well, you come to the next question. You know, at weddings, you hang out with people, stand there. What do you then ask? So what do you do for a living? to sort of try to find out something about the practical world, functional world that this person lives in. What do you do? Well, I do this or that, so I work here or there, and that may help a little bit to continue with the conversation. Then there's a third question. A question that we normally do not ask of anyone ever. Maybe sometimes of your children, when they really make you mad or angry. Or maybe a spouse, and that's the question... Who are you? You see, the question, who are you, has nothing to do with how I feel today or has nothing to do with what I do today, what my work is, uh, or, or whatever functions I'm involved with. But the question of who I am has to do with what defines me as a human and how do I perceive myself when I look at myself in the mirror. You know, I, I again went and I looked at the statistics for 2021, and you will find that this is on the CDC website, that 100,306 people 
died last year of overdose deaths. According to the service department that I'm a little bit involved with, the numbers as they continue now is going to be worse than last year. So if so many people died of overdose deaths, I wonder how many people are on drugs. If those are the lot that died, how many others are still on drugs? Then you find that 312,000 people ended up in an emergency room because they harmed themselves in some way, some way, shape, or form. Cut themselves or whatever. There are many different ways. And I asked myself the question, if 312,000 people end up in an emergency room because they caused harm to themselves, how many people did not end up in the hospital but still try to cause some harm? And then we see the statistics, 45,000 plus people that actually committed suicide. I had a very difficult conversation last week with someone who called me whose wife committed suicide three weeks ago. If you talk to someone who experienced this with someone that close, it's not a statistic anymore. It's an extremely, extremely real and painful thing. And I asked myself always this question as I like to read psychology and, and, and I've studied it. Why is it that people will need drugs to be dependent on? Why is it that people would like to harm themselves? Why is it that people would come to the point that they would say, I can't continue anymore living my life. I can't cope with this world anymore. And I think a lot of this has to do with that question, who am I? You see, the question, who am I, in a, fi in a, in, in, in a way, defines who I am. I am or allow myself to be defined by this world. And what does the word tell me? If you do not fit into this box, you are a failure. If you don't perform like this, you are not well received. I'm stupid. I'm fat. I'm a loser. I can't cope. I'm weak. Spoke to someone else who told me, uh, his or her parents told him frequently, to this person, how stupid he is, or, her, or she is. Eventually you are defined then by people around you that are more broken than you are, and eventually you look at yourself and you say, I'm worthless. I have no value in this world. And then you turn to things that you hope will help you escape from this world. Or you turn to something that will help you to get away from this world. It's Palm Sunday. It's still part of Lent. And I told you when I started this series, I can't remember a long, long time ago, I'm going to introduce to you just a few words, maybe that you do not know, and the word today is oilithoi. That's the word, and you'll see it there. It's a Greek word, and you'll, you'll discover this, world, this word with me as we read. Luke 19. He was now approaching the path down the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they, have, that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. This is a quotation from Psalm 118 that you find here. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, 
the stones, the oilithoi, would shout it out. Jesus arriving in Jerusalem for the last time. He knows this. He's been there before. It's the last journey towards Jerusalem. He's coming from the Mount of Olives. It's a small hill just before you get to Jerusalem. The Kidron Valley between this hill and then the main city. You can see the temple in the distance. And last week I preached about the next section. So this is actually before that section where the Lord started to weep when he saw the temple and knew what was going to come. But at this point now, for Palm Sunday, the people are rejoicing. They are putting their cloaks down on the, fr- on the, on the ground, and they've got all these palm br- branches that they broke off that they lay before Jesus because they are celebrating then with Psalm 118 the words of this king of theirs coming back to Jerusalem. Why are they celebrating? Five reasons real quick. The first one, because, and it's in the text, you just saw it behind me, for the miracles they have seen, the great deeds that the Lord has done. What has he done? He healed the sick, provided meals and wine for free, raised Lazarus from the dead. He calmed the storm. He can walk on water. Who does not want Jesus in his life or her life? Just imagine that Jesus could be with us today and I could say, Oh Lord, my back is hurting or my tongue or my throat is hurting or whatever is wrong with me, some kind of affirmity I have. And the Lord says, I will heal you. It's fantastic. Who would not hang out with Jesus that gave them tons of food at some point when they really needed food to eat? 5,000 people, men actually, that he fed and then with the women and children. And there was enough to, to gather all these baskets of food. Who would not like to have Jesus a part of this story? Because of the miracles they have seen Him do. Maybe that's the problem. A lot of people come to church. A lot of people say, oh, well, I will probably need to want to have Jesus in my life because of this reason. I want Him to come and fix my life, my world, the things that I need on a daily basis. I believe in God because I believe He's going to heal me. I believe in God because I believe He's going to restore my financial world that crumbled and is falling apart. So I will come to church a few times and read my Bible to see what He can do for me. So I will rejoice when He comes close because I want something from Him. That's the first reason. The second reason, a political one. That issues with the Romans. The Romans actually enslaved them and they were a power that overshadowed everything that the Jews were. 800 years before, David was still the king and they had a huge empire. That's all gone now. And during the time of David, there was peace and and they could reign in the world and the world looked up to them because they were, in a sense, a mighty power because David really put all the enemies to peace, to rest. That's what they are waiting for. Now they say, our king is here. I want someone in my life to sort out the political mess that surrounds me. I also pray in the evenings and in the mornings. Lord, please give us a land that we can live in that's peaceful, where we can worship you. Lord, please take care of our leaders and what's happening in our country, that we can have a place where my children can grow up and my grandchildren can grow up and they can actually do the things that they would like to do. Lord, bring political calm in our world and 
end the war in Ukraine. That's such a stupid... Let's not go there now. Then I will get distracted really easily. But Lord, please bring peace in this world that children and people can just continue to live their lives. Lord, you are supposed to come and fix this nonsense that we have around us. Praise the King who's going to, going to come and do this now for us today. That was their expectation. The third thing why they rejoiced, peace in heaven. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? The Lord says, in what way have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, Miriam. Can I forget the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? The scant measure of that is accursed. Can I tolerate wicked scales and a bag of dishonest weights? Your wealthy are full of violence. Your inhabitants speak lies with tongues of deceit in their mouths. Therefore, I've begun to strike you down, making you desolate because of your sin. They sing peace in heaven. Isn't there peace in heaven? For sure. There's always peace in heaven. But why do they want peace in heaven? Because they believe with all their hearts that God is the reason why they are suffering so much. They are suffering and they are struggling because they turned away from God. They didn't obey His will and they, were, and they stopped to do what God asked them to do. And as a nation, they've lost their way. And because they start to lose their way, God said, I can't stand close to you anymore because you are not doing what I'm asking of you. How can you live within my grace if you want to walk away? So they know there's a conflict between them and God, but now they blame God for it. God, you need to come to peace now. You need to relax a little bit. And Jesus is going to fix the stuff down here so there will be peace in heaven. A completely wrong understanding of who God is. A completely wrong understanding of the role of God in our lives. Because it's not God that is to blame for all our struggles and and, and, and injuries and pain that this world brings us, it's us that brought this on ourselves. But always this thing pointing to God when things start to go wrong. Jesus, you're going to bring our peace in heaven, as if there's never been peace in heaven. Because it's the unpeace or the violence in heaven that's causing this problem on earth. Then the interruption. Now the Pharisees come and they say, tell your own people to stop this. They do not have the authority in themselves or the whatever to say to the people, shut up. Now they say to Jesus who's on the donkey riding down this hill, you tell your own people to stop praising you. The God in heaven must really have patience with us, isn't it? To tell God who Jesus is, to tell the people to stop praising Him. And why are they doing this? Because they don't like Him. He's too popular. He's too popular because when He came to this world, the people started to follow Him. The problem is when the people start to follow Him, then they are not in control anymore. 
Maybe that's the fear of this world of Jesus. I've many times said to my wife and to friends around me, I can't understand why nations would expel Christians when they are there to do the work of Christ because what harm has the church? Okay, the church has caused some harm. Some stupid people have caused really harm. But great Christian people, what harm will great Christian people cause whenever they enter the lives of people? Because they come and introduce people to Christ and to the peace in heaven that there is. And they normally bring something good with them. They don't come to break, to harm, or to, dis- or to destroy if they do it biblically. But why doesn't nations and people want the church? Not always because of the bad history of stupid people in the church, but because of the fear of God. To lose control. Because if you believe there's a God, then you are not in control anymore. This is just a side note. I think that's why it's so important for families to have a devotion together. Parents with their children. Louise and I have done this since our children were this big. In the morning before they would run off to school, we would sit together at the table, drink a cup of coffee or whatever, and I would read a few verses, pray. It would take five minutes. Because I would tell the kids when they they were this small, I'm not the boss of this house really. The living Lord is. So if the Lord tells me that I can't do this, then it applies not only to me, but also to you guys also. I'm not the one that's making the rule. The Lord is making the rule for me and for you. To live within His will. I give up my control. As a parent almost. Because I also need to bow down before the word of our Lord as I present myself to Him. And a few times in my life, my kids have said to me, you can't talk to us like this, it's unbiblical. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's true. So they tell Jesus, stop them praising you. Because they don't want to lose control. Then the Lord answers, he says, if they don't praise me, the rocks will. If they don't praise me, the rocks will. You know, if you look at this story of Jesus coming down this little mountain, you know, you see the people, ah, Jesus. And mostly for the wrong reason, sadly. That's why the Lord in the next section burst out into tears. But I see in the middle of this, and that's the fourth one that I'm coming to now, the work of the Holy Spirit. You you see, it's impossible to be in the presence of God and not to praise Him. It's impossible. How can you be really in the presence of God and not praise Him? The reason for everything on this earth is to bring God praise and honor. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. That's from Ezekiel. How can you not praise? Because the Lord was on His way to restore the kingdom of God in this world. That's why He came. He did come not to bring peace in heaven, but to bring peace between us and heaven. He came to help us to understand who we are again. He came to help us to answer the question of who am I, not in the definition of the world, but in the definition of God and His Word and His plan for me. You see, this is where 
humankind has missed the plot completely. Because what we have done is the moment when we removed God from who we are, we replaced God with something else that I think should define me, give me value, give me direction, give me purpose. And the moment when I lose these things, I lose myself and I have nothing to live for anymore. And I try to escape this world. But the moment when you allow God to enter your life again, you understand, but the purpose of me being here is for God. And the first purpose while I'm created is to bring God praises. That can never end. Whatever happens in my life, I cannot stop praising God for who I am because God is the same today, tomorrow, and He has been the same in the past. But the moment when I focus my value, my identity on what is here and now, it will shift constantly. I was defined by my parents, by teachers, by siblings, by this world, now by peers that looks at what I drive, what I have, what I've got, what I've done, and they define me, and I can easily allow that to take away who I am. Who am I? I'm a child of the only holy living God because He sent His Son to die for me on the cross. That's my value. And I was born and created by the only holy living God to sing His praises on a daily basis. And even when I wake up in the morning, I'm not defined by this world, but I'm defined by the fact I've got a God that I'm going to praise today, even if I am in hospital, or I'm struggling to think, or I'm struggling to walk, or I'm struggling to pay my bills, or I'm struggling with relationships. I can praise still God because He's involved in my life. That's my identity. That's my purpose. That's who I am. The power of praise. My final statement. When the Lord said the rocks will cry out, he was very serious. Because if you look at the creation around us, the creation around us was created to proclaim the glory of God. The beauty of the trees and the mountains and the rocks and everything around us and the, and the perfection that you will find in this nature proclaims the glory of God. How can you, and I always say, I feel so sad for an atheist. If you stand on a beautiful mountain, you look at a valley, who do you thank for what you see? All of you and me included. When you're outside, you see a beautiful sunset. I hope you do like I do. I say, thank you, Lord, for this color that I can see. Do you know that we are the only one that can see, that can see the whole spectrum of color? Animals can see some. We can see the whole variety of color, all the different colors that's available in the spectrum of color. We needed the most, we actually needed the least because we can take care of ourselves. Why does God want you to see the orange in the sky and the blue if you walk outside and the whiteness of the clouds and the green of the trees? Because these things declare His glory. His glory. The Lord did come to help us with our ailments, with the things in this world that bothers us. But He never gave us the promise that He will fix it all, it will be perfect. He came to this world to tell us, I'm going to give you value, I'm going to give you a new identity. Not to be a lost one anymore, but a saved person in, in, in me. He came to this world and said, because you're my child, I will be there for you. But things will many times be difficult and hard. But I will never let you alone because you will never be alone. 
And all I ask of you, know I am. Sing my praises. I am your God. And that's your identity. You are my child. Amen.